We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world, a warm welcome to you. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and you are listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome. And so, Richard, I've got a new friend, uh, my new coffee shop friend. So, uh, Richard, he's... uh, uh, American, but he's uh, culturally Brazilian, having lived there for for many years, and so he's able to to span that that uh, beautiful cultural divide. But uh, Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Julian. It's a pleasure to be here with you and with all of those that are listening to us. Uh, and uh, wow, what a joy to be able to spend some moments with you today. Well, thank you. And uh, tell us a little bit about about yourself, first of all. Who Who is Richard? Wow. Well, well Richard is uh, a, a sinner saved by grace. There's no better way to put it than starting off with that. Um, but I was, uh, I'm a second-generation missionary, um, not born, born in Los Angeles, California, but raised from the time that I was a year old uh, in uh, Brazil. Uh, in the mega city of Sao Paulo, and so that's very much home, as you as you expressed, Julian, in the beginning of this time. Um, and growing up in Brazil, uh, I had the opportunity then to be a um, a multicultural or a, a bicultural uh, person in terms of two internalized cultures, uh, American and Brazilian, from from the get go. Um, but the real story happens uh, basically when. Uh, I, I said yes to the calling on my life, uh, that the Lord had placed on my life at 12 years old, but I said yes at 18. So there's a, there's a six year hiatus there. But, uh, at that point, uh, then life took a turn in terms of, uh, what I was all about, where I was heading and, and how I was going to get there. So, so what was happening in those six years? Well, I was a teenager, um, really bent on um, wanting a lifestyle of the creature comforts, all those things that money can buy. I had uh, envisioned for myself um, uh, becoming a uh, an executive of, of, of some sorts and uh, and making uh, and making a, a substantial salary. And then, then of course, uh, living out my days in in bliss and happiness. Um, how funny that things don't work out that way. And certainly, <laughs> certainly, money does not buy. It can buy lots of uh, lots of things, but um, 
you know the lord uh the lord spoken to my to my heart when i was 18 and uh he gave me a choice uh to either uh, live my life without him or live my life for him mm. and at that point by his grace i said yes i will live my life for you mm. and uh that that was the turning point and from that point forward i've never looked back and no regrets much to the contrary um the 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 bliss and happiness has come from serving christ and uh by extension serving others as opposed to um, accumulating material things for myself so i'm i'm going to uh push back and uh, the reason why is you know i've i've been in that situation as well where uh um you know for me it's kind of like well what do i want in life well i want it to be you know the selfish gene i want it to be comfortable and i want to have fun and i want it to be easy uh and uh you know so creature comforts that's what will make me uh truly happy you know nothing wrong with money you know but 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 you know uh having it that's what's going to make me secure and happy and fulfilled and it came as a real uh I mean, it sounds naive but perhaps it's lurking a little bit within all of us of it came as a real shock when i met some uh very rich people uh great people but who were telling me that no that you know you can go out and buy whatever you want but it doesn't give you like the sort of the inner peace the inner healing with inside in fact it can it can lumber you with many problems and i remember thinking to myself well i'd like to try those problems for a while <laughs> you know let me you know it's e- when you've got money you know it's easy to say oh i don't need it you know it's uh, i could survive you know on a on a on a on a on a, on a hot dog a day or whatever um but you know just just that fascinating balance of the two of one you know obviously money money is good it buys children food you know it buys uh senior people health care you know so obviously it's good but the as jesus says you know the love the love of money and so i'm going i'm going to push back so you know it it's it's easy uh you know for us to say what we've just said but what do you feel when you are serving god you know when 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 you are putting your mission before yourself what 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 do you feel what what's the what's the emotion within you well let me just back up and say that you're absolutely right money does buy many things and uh it's certainly a necessity of life there's no getting away from that uh i think that the for me the underlying um important aspect is who are you serving and what or who is your god uh money makes a really lousy god because you are never satisfied no matter how much you have and uh and i've never experienced you know the uh the overabundance in terms of you know certain lifestyles that uh, have an income well beyond my own but uh i i've experienced enough to be able to understand that it does not fill that void in the soul right so in terms of serving God and, uh, and and what what one feels, what I have felt um, is the immense joy and peace uh, and even happiness, if you will. That I, I don't see that as the main goal, but it is definitely part of the experience when we uh, place ourselves into God's hands as His servants. And then live in according to that goal, that that objective. It's different than pursuing selfish standards 
to try to fill up that void, which is impossible, to then serve gods out of the surplus, right? And so you have these different uh, these differences. And so serving God has brought all that I had hoped that money would have brought me, but that which money was unable to bring me. I think that that's a good way of putting it. Hmm. Oh, man. So the, the the peace and joy, you know, that transcends all yeah. understanding. And, uh, you know, in, in a sense, it's it's a byproduct of those who are seriously seeking to serve others, would you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm constantly going back to uh, Matthew 6, you know, 34, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, 33, 34. And all these things will be added unto you. So all these things, of course, is referring to those things which Jesus is talking about just prior to, you know, the the basic necessities of life. Uh, uh, what do we eat, drink, wear, th- those types of things. And, uh, and, and God supplies all of that. Now, uh, what we really like as human beings, it's not just myself, although I include myself in this rarely, you know, readily is that we like control. Mm. We love to be able to control things, the various aspects. So it's not it's not just the what, it's the how to. And uh and 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 I've fallen into that trap for the majority of my life just running after trying to control um those aspects and uh and so there's been some deep lessons learned along the way. Uh and uh, I I won't say that it's easy, but it's certainly easier today. Uh, to trust God and to allow him to supply. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm just sitting on the sidelines, arms crossed, you know, not doing anything. Not, But it's, it is it is a matter of trust. Who, who are you trusting? Trusting yourself. Uh, you're trusting money. Mm. You're trusting resources. You're trusting God. Those are, those are different things. Because, you know, it always astounds me, and I, I, I don't like to think it, but it always astounds me how out of control we are. You know, we think we think we got this. We got the insurance policy. We got that set. That this is good. That's good. But you know, stuff can come out of you left, right, and center without any. You know, I mean, obviously, one big example was COVID. You know, there we all are. You know, in control of our lives, so we perceive. And suddenly, you know, uh, this isn't a political statement in any shape or form. But suddenly, you're locked inside your house. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, you can't. Uh, and so, you know, you have a small business. Boom, it's gone. You know, and just so. Um, you know, just that concept that really we're not in the control that we think we are and, and trying to sort of grasp for it, you know, so, so somewhat, somewhat desperately. But, but um, so back, back to you, you know, um, you were, um, you made a decision. You, know, you, had, you had six years meandering, you know, on the slow, the slow, <laughs> the slow road to Damascus, you know, and then, uh, and then you're like, okay, you win. Uh, so you, uh, you gave your life to Christ and uh what t- what happened from there well i was uh in my very first semester of college when that uh when that uh, occurred and i was on a, a track to get a business degree nothing wrong with the business degree but uh, that's not what the lord had in mind for me mm-hmm. and so when 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 i did understand that he had other plans and that uh i was saying yes um I uh, changed my major to a Bible degree. I was in a Christian college at the time and uh, and finished out uh, with a Bible degree. And then I went on to seminary and got a uh, Master of Divinity. Uh, in the midst of all of that, I uh, got married. Hurrah. And, uh, 
And then we moved into a mission organization, actually one that uh, I had been raised in. Uh, like I said, I'm a second generation missionary. So uh, we joined the same organization uh, that uh, that I had been raised in and uh, spent uh, the, the next 31 years within that organization serving in Brazil. Uh, of course, lots of stories, but, you know, uh, and then... Uh, just a little under two years ago, we retired from that organization and joined a, a smaller one, a smaller outfit, uh, which is the one that we are currently part of, Disciple the Nations, DTN, uh, as it is affectionately known. Um, and, uh, and we have continued on to serve in the exact same place that we are in Brazil, uh, doing the same types of ministries, just with a different uh, administrative structure behind us. Uh, that has allowed us to continue on and be viable. So um, I want to come back to Brazil in a minute. I'm looking at the the beautiful flag behind you, and uh, <laughs> uh, but but so tell me what uh, this uh, the organization with your you're in uh, DTN. Um, g- give me the elevator version. What what is it you what is it the organization does? Well, it it is a mission uh, sending agency whose uh, real uh, passion is discipleship, disciple the nations. It's kind of built into the name. So discipling others uh, into into Christ and then into maturity in Christ. So you've got both of those aspects. Um, it is a smaller, much smaller organization just with a, a handful of missionary families, maybe between 12 and 15 now. Mm-hmm. They began in 2019, so relatively new, relatively young. But uh, every year uh, growing, Um, our founder president uh, has uh, been able now to take a full-time position in that organization as he seeks to uh, expand not only the numbers, but also uh, just the influence of uh, of DTN. Mm. And so what, 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 so you're a missionary organization that seeks to uh, evangelize, take uh, God's word to people. But then also you say to disciple them as well. So what's the difference between you've got evangelism and discipleship? What's the difference between the two? Can you have one without the other? Help us understand. Okay. Um, I I see them really as two sides to the same coin. Uh, I would kind of put uh, a a personal encounter with Jesus uh, kind of in in the middle of uh, each of those. So evangelism is really... Um, that which pertains to um, uh, helping uh, someone take the steps necessary to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Mm. and then coming to a point of decision, deciding that that's what they are going to do. I'm going to trust in Jesus as my personal Savior, as my Lord and Master. Uh, And at that point, then, uh, what we call discipleship kind of kips in, uh, and, and that would be really helping people uh, grow and mature in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's different ways of breaking that down. Others would say that you can disciple people to Christ and then disciple them after Christ. And so um, I'm not really concerned about the, those semantics, but that would be one way of looking at it. Evangelism brings you to Christ. Discipleship then helps you grow and mature in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so what, what, what areas have, uh, as the organization or uh, yourself, what areas, what, what geographical areas have you operated in? 
The organization has missionaries uh, in various uh, countries. Uh, I will just name a few of them. I don't know if I can name all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's uh, there's people that are, that operate within the United States as uh, evangelists, as church planners. Uh, there uh, are units in Portugal, in Italy, in Hungary. Uh, there's a couple which operates in the Philippines. They're based in the U.S., but they work in the Philippines. Um, and then throughout uh, some of the Central American countries, Costa Rica. And uh, and we are now in Brazil. Uh, we're the only uh, unit from our outfit in Brazil. Um so that would be a geographical area in terms of uh, the organization. I've had the privilege of ministering primarily in Brazil throughout these last almost 33 years, uh, but has also have been uh, just had the great privilege of being in Mozambique. Mm. And uh, we take mission trips or have taken mission trips uh, there and, and have plugged into some of the uh, one of the local pastors and, and some missionaries there. Uh, and then uh, done some things in some of the other South American countries, um, Argentina. My wife uh, in both Colombia and Panama has been part of a of a trip that uh, allowed her to minister in those contexts as well. But I would say, Julian, that uh, the vast majority of what we have done has been concentrated in Brazil. In Brazil. Now, t- tell me, um, you know, we kind of. Uh, I know when I'm in America, I'm I'm originally from from England. Uh, when when I'm in America, it's Americans talk about Europe, you know, and so it's kind of like, well, you know, what, what do you guys do in Europe? And it's like, well, I've got no idea what they do in France, <laughs> you know. It's like, I've got no idea what they do in Germany or, you know, how they do this or that. You know, it's just they're beautiful countries, but in the mindset, they're like the other end of the earth, you know. And so, but I'm, I, I do that as well, you know, with Central South America. You know, I, I know Brazil speaks Portuguese. Uh, uh, many others are, are speaking Spanish. You know, there's certain uh, common ties from way back. But um, t- tell me a little: is in in the the Southern Cone? You know, <clears throat> uh, is there a, a great diversity in in different cultures and in mindsets and in worldviews, or or is there some sort of central uh, basis which you, which you're all upon? Uh, if you say by southern cone, you're referring to southern South America. Would that be it? Kind of yes. southern Brazil, Uruguay, uh, that, over into Argentina. Yeah, all, all of them. All of them. Yes, all of yeah. them. Um, well, you know, that's such a large uh, swath, right? A mm. geographical swath. Of course, mm-hmm. um, those people that are working inside of this context, they will run into many different uh um, cultures. Um, so in Brazil, for instance, we have in the southern part of Brazil, uh, large uh, uh, groups of uh, migrants. I mean, you know, second, third, fourth generation uh, uh, families that came over primarily from Italy, from Germany. Um, and then, of course, Brazil's just been a huge melting pot uh, receiving people from the world over. Mm. Uh, so you're going to run into a heavy, uh, as you said, European influence in the southern part of Brazil. And that extends down into Uruguay, which is directly beneath Brazil, and then Argentina, which kind of wraps around. Uh, and so, but then you will have the different um, uh, indigenous groups, which uh, were part of the, these lands and areas uh, over time. And uh, so you're going to run into a, a, a wide 
a cross-section of, of cultural differences and ways of thinking. What ties it all together is that we're all human beings and we all face, you know, lots of the same issues, even though we may think a little different. There's, uh, you know, some differences in worldviews and, and even languages. But but other than that, um, the same needs, uh, as I've traveled around the world, I've been in other countries, uh, uh, and as I've, as I've traveled, I've noticed that the human heart is the same wherever you go. Mm. Uh, and that's very fascinating. And, of course, the gospel speaks directly into the human heart. Mm. And uh, uh, so that's, that's one of the things that, that ties it all together, I would say. Amen. And so you're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. Today we're blessed to have my new friend Richard, Richard from Disciple the Nations. And he's been sharing how he, along with many others, are uh, throughout the world teaching about the gospel, God's love for people, and indeed how, uh, whilst we all come back from uh, many different cultures and mindsets and worldviews, we are all human. We are all part of the human race uh, and we are all in need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ and him within our lives. So, Richard, tell us a little bit about the impact. You know, so uh, I understand, you know, evangelism, you're saying, and discipleship. And so the Lord, of course, is is instrumental in bringing uh, the Holy Spirit and bringing people to faith uh, within him, you know, but he utilizes Christians in order to share and teach and show his message. Um, but tell us about the uh, the impact that you've seen from from the teaching that that, that you and the organization and the church has uh, has done over the years. Well, well, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? You know, the fruit is really in the hearts and, and lives of uh, individuals. Uh, and as you said, it really is the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he uses us, as Scripture tells us, to uh, to plant, to water. But it's the Holy Spirit that gives uh, the increase. It's the Holy Spirit which convicts and convinces of sin mm. and the necessity for a Savior. Um, a lot of what I've done over the last uh, 12 years, Julian, has really been focusing more in uh, discipleship. Mm. And uh, uh, just one-on-one discipleship, uh, small groups, uh, you know, two, three. I've had larger groups, but it's more effective the smaller we, we get in terms of numbers. Uh, in my in my context, uh, trust is not easily given, um, and it needs to be earned. I have found that uh, in order to 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 gain trust, I need to be the first one to be vulnerable, and and open up and share inside of a culture where that is extremely countercultural. Mm. Um, you know, cer- certain aspects of our lives we like to keep hidden. We only like to put, you know, the good forward so that others might be able to see that and, and applaud and say, wow, good job. But it's uh, it's oftentimes our failures or our struggles where God meets us. And that's what we need to share with others um, in order for them to understand that if God is able to 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 deal with you in your life, in an area where I struggle as well, that maybe he's able to do that with me. Mm. And that's where hope comes in. That's where, you know, that, that, that gets going. A lot of what uh, we've been able to do is help uh, people, primarily men, because I, I mostly disciple men, but I've, I've also discipled women. And then I oversee discipleship groups with women, uh, young adults and youth also, but I'm mostly working with men and, and, um, 
it's really important to help them take steps to walk with God on a daily basis, and that's really what we try to do. Oh, man. Well, Richard, we've got about a minute or so left. Um, what would you say to, to myself, to the person listening on the radio, on the computer, saying, you know, well, Richard, Richard's been given a, a certain call. He was a certain age. He's now sort of a, a discipleship leader. So what I'll do is I'll leave that to the professional. You know, he's the paid professional. What would you say to uh, people like me, you know, or those listening on the radio? Do we have a similar call to you at all? Yeah. Thanks, Julian. I really appreciate that question. Yes, I really believe that um, we all have a, a call to help others that God has brought into our lives. Um, yeah, there are certain things that uh, uh, some people learn quicker than others and able to pass along, but all of us have something. If you love the Lord and strive to follow him, you have something to share with someone else. And God can and will use you. It's not about what you know, it's about what God knows and how he can use you. So if you put yourself into his hands, he will use you to bless other lives. And that's what it's all about. So what you're saying is I can't just sit back on the couch and cheer you on. <laughs> yeah, that would be really fun, wouldn't it? Um, well, it but sitting on the couch gets old, doesn't it? So, well, you know, and also you don't grow. You just you just stagnate, right. don't you? So, yeah. well, you heard it there, everybody. We're all called, and therefore we are all given, equipped by God's will, God's ability. So therefore step out and disciple by living your life for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Richard, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Julian, and I wish all the best to all those that are listening to us. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.